Um, get your Bible and turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Um, Matthew chapter 6. And last week we started a, a series of messages um, that I called Anything is Possible. And I called it Anything is Possible because that's, that's the culture, I think, of the kingdom. That's the culture that, that the church should have, is that we, we should live every day poised for a miracle. We should live every day expecting and anticipating the miraculous. It seems so strange to me, and I, I don't mean this, because I, I know I know we're in a world that is set against the kingdom. I understand the clash of the kingdoms. We have the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of God. They're always at war, and we sometimes feel trapped in the middle, right? And, and I understand that you know you can have those days where it's like, what else? What else is going to go wrong today, right? And I understand you can have those seasons where it feels like you lost. I understand that. But, but what I'm saying is that still as believers, our confidence and faith is in a king, and it's in a kingdom that is above and beyond and more powerful than any king or kingdom. And, and how, I don't mean this, I really don't mean this to be disrespectful, but I'm just going to say it, but it almost seems silly that we would pray for God to do things, but not expect it. And we would pray for God to do things and not anticipate it and then be surprised if something goes right when that should be the norm, yeah. right? He, he said, basically he said, um, like, and, and I'll paraphrase the verse, but he said, it's in John, but he said, you know, ask me and I'll give to you that your joy may be full. So the joy of the believer is supposed to be breakthrough. Yeah. The problem is when you don't get breakthrough, you try to find joy in form Are you with me? Because breakthrough became so disappointing and I got so discouraged. And that happens to everyone, by the way. Like, like I get that. I know what it's like to pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and, pray and know like, God, I'm praying your will. I'm praying my will. I'm praying the will of everybody, God. Like you should, like this is where you do something. But, but so I know what that's like, but I'm just saying the problem is, and this is a problem with religion, I think, is religion teaches you to find joy and form when Jesus prescription was ask, you know, and, and then I'll do these things that your joy may be full. So he said the joy, the believers found in breakthrough and not form. But when we get disappointed or discouraged and we no longer look for, expect and anticipate breakthrough, we try to find joy in the form of asking, but not joy in the breakthrough of receiving. And I'll tell you this, the number one salesman for religiosity and religious form is Satan. He is totally okay with you being religious. Totally okay with you being religious. He's okay with you being here today as long as you don't hear anything or do anything with the message. He's okay with you being in a worship service as long as you never turn your heart and posture your heart towards God. That's why when you come into worship, that's why it's so hard to get here. Come on, where are my parents with little children? Like they spit up on it. They threw their oatmeal on you. And you're like, Jesus, you got to help me out, Jesus. I'm trying to get to your house without killing anybody. <laughs> your husband woke up in a bad mood, right? I don't, whatever it is, it's all hard to get here. I mean, there are people that wanted to watch online today. They couldn't even get online. <laughs> They're sleeping right now. Wake up! Anyway, <laughs> but... <laughs> So, 
But 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 um, he is like he is the peddler of religion. Um, and he's okay with you. But but Jesus didn't come to to establish religion. He came to expand a kingdom. And that's really what gets us to Matthew 6.33, which is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And so we're going to dive in together in this, this conversation, this mess. I hate to call it a conversation because I'm not going to let you talk. But, um, <laughs> but, this, but this, um, this series, this idea, this atmosphere that anything is possible. I want to uh, look at Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to read verse 25 through verse 34. This is a very familiar Everybody's heard it, but we got to talk about it until we like get it down in here, not just in here, right? Um, verse 25 says, therefore, I tell you, these are red letters, by the way, red letters. It's uh, Jesus talking. Uh, I say that because he is like, he's really smart. He's also perfect theology. Like, you know, a lot of theologians, they're good. They really are but they're not perfect. But Jesus is the express image of an invisible God. If I want to know anything about God, I'll look at Jesus. And, and, and he is perfect theology because theology is all about the study of God. Well, he is God. Right? So, so we're going to look at what he says. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry uh, about your life. Don't worry about a thing. Come on, that should be on your vacation summer playlist. Um, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear, time out. Those seem like important things to me. I'm just, let's just be honest. Like, don't worry about, like he didn't say, don't worry about if you get seasoned, you know, don't worry about if you get to go to another sporting event, or don't worry about if they're actually going to have an NFL season. I mean, I mean, don't worry about, here's one that get everybody's like, you know, don't worry about college football. Oh, I know. That's right now. I mean, there's people rioting because they're like, if you, you, not having college football is taking away our right to worship. But, um, well, so anyways, um, but, but he didn't talk about things that, that we could say were optional, like food and water. So I just want to make the point that, that he's like, those seem important to me. Like, I don't know about you. I'm glad you had clothes this morning. I'm certainly glad I had clothes. Absolutely. Because I've seen myself in the mirror, and it's, I'm glad I have clothes. It says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Maybe somebody just needs to hear today that to God, you're the most valuable thing. Um, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Let me question. It's a survey. How many have tried worrying? How many have found it effective? Okay. Just wondering. Just, just wondering. Verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here for a day and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, 
And then Jesus kind of gets some, you have little faith. Ouch. Thank you, Jesus. So he says, don't worry about a thing. Don't worry. Don't say, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? He says this, for, for the pagans run after these things. So that's, we'll just say unbelievers, right? Because pagans, that sounds like if you're in church and someone calling you a pagan, that's kind of like calling you know, talking about your mama or something. I mean, that's bad, right? So we're just going to say unbelievers. For, for those that don't believe in God, run after. Run, look at that. Run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So here's the key verse. Everybody knew it was coming. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you, some versions added to you. Therefore, this is so, so we have a therefore, what's it there for? Well, he just gave you a prescription and he wants you to understand the effect of the prescription. Does that make sense? So, so what he said is, you know, seek the kingdom of righteousness, all these things will be added. Therefore, don't worry. Why why don't I worry? Because I'm going to seek the kingdom. Like, I think we need to understand, here's a great word for someone, worry and seeking the kingdom are mutually exclusive ideas. They're, they're diametrically opposed. Does that make sense? So, so he's saying, you, you can worry. How many, again, thought it was effective? Listen, I come, worry is in my genes. Not these genes, like my family genes. My grandmother was a professional at it. I never forget the first time I told her I was going on a mission trip. She said, baby, that's why we pay the missionaries. You need to stay home where it's safe. then I won't have to worry, right? So, so I'm, I'm good at worrying. I can worry about anything. It's just not productive. So um, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. How many have found that to be true? <laughs> like, thank you, Jesus. That's true in the word. Each day you got enough trouble. <laughs> I call this message uh, the answer for everything. The answer for everything. So what I'm about to give you, what actually I'm not going to give you, I'm going to explain what Jesus gave you. I'm going to explain what he said, but I'm going to explain the, the answer for whatever today you walk. This is like, you remember the guys that used to go around like with the, the, the from town to town, the old West, they had the magic elixir. Yeah. And it was really just like whiskey or something. You know what I'm saying? Um, drink enough of this. You'll be fine. <laughs> um, so this, this isn't like that. But conceptually, that's what I'm saying is it's good for whatever. Yeah. What, what we're going to talk about today is good for, like, whatever is your whatever right now. Because yeah. this, this is what I know about humans. Every one of you today is worried about something. Like, that's one thing we all have in common in this room. And I'm going to tell you the solution for whatever that thing is. How about that? Because anything's possible. All right, um, let's pray. Um, God, speak to us. Change us. Amen. All right, so Matthew 6.33. So really, I don't have points. I just have three words. Three words, because you remember three words. But what I see in, in this text, what I see Jesus talking about, number one, there is a priority. There's a priority. Um, Seek first the kingdom. 
Now, this is the message that I think everyone should preach. I preached it many times. I did a whole series on it called Gospel. But I think it's still one of the greatest misconceptions and misunderstandings of a lot of believers. And that is what I said in the introduction, that Jesus didn't come to establish a religion. He came to expand a kingdom. So if you want to understand the story of the Bible, it is not a religious rule book. It is the constitution of a kingdom. The Bible doesn't tell you how to get to heaven as much as it tries to tell you how to bring heaven to earth. The, 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 the foundational calling of mankind was be fruitful, multiply, subdue, and take dominion. So the word take dominion there is the same word we get kingdom from. And so, so this is where I think sometimes, and, and I'm not saying people say, you know, you, you pray this prayer so you can die and go to heaven. I'm not saying that's not good news, but that's only a part of really what God's working on here. Yeah. Right? Like you, you can die and go to heaven. That's true. If that's your goal, it's just that that doesn't really offer a lot of hope for earth. Yeah. Like if I'm worried about something today, telling me I can die and go to heaven. But what about today? Like, I'm not ready to die yet, but I've still got this thing. It also, this is, and I think this is why a lot of believers like that message, because it completely alleviates us of any responsibility whatsoever. Because we're totally good. Well, God's just going to control everything. Everything is up to God. The problem is God gave you the fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control. God's kind of trying to get you to control some things. Like God has an assignment. Like when God didn't tell Adam, like, Adam, I have created you and Eve in this garden. And here's my plan. You're going to die one day. And when you die, you can come back and see me. So y'all have fun now. No, he said, I put you in this garden. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to take over earth and establish my kingdom on it. I want you to have dominion. Adam was a little, uh, we'll say a lower K, a lowercase K king under the authority of the capital K king. And if you think that's weird, the Bible says you're a kingdom, a priest. Revelation tells you that you're going to be a king and reign. So if nothing else today, you can leave today feeling better about yourself because you're a king. Get something purple. Get you a robe. And so Jesus, when he shows up on, on the planet Earth, his message, what we call the gospel, wasn't like, hey, good news, everybody. If you'll pray this prayer, you can die. That would be kind of like a cult. Let's get everybody together, drink the Kool-Aid, wait on the spaceship. <laughs> Ethel, did he just say that? You did. Get, get your purse, Ethel. Boys lost it. Um, and so Jesus shows up Matthew 4 and his announcement isn't that you can go to heaven his announcement is that there is a kingdom that has come to the earth Matthew 4 it says he said repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand you can look at that in the Greek it says it has arrived it is present so Jesus announcement his first message his first sermon if you will was hey everybody there's a kingdom here there's a kingdom that has come to the earth. 
Um, then you look in Matthew chapter four. This is the good news. If you want the gospel is the kingdom seemed to have power over the problems of the earth because it said he went about in Galilee. That's his hometown. He went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all who are six in your Bible. Matthew four, go to Matthew nine, because then Jesus takes the show on the road. It says, then he went about to the other cities and the other towns, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all who were sick. So his gospel had a solution for today. Are you with me? Not only that, his kingdom seemed to have power over whatever the problem was. So to me, like this is as a church, like this is what we need to understand. Like we should try his message. By the way, when he sent out his disciples, he did not send them out to say, go tell everybody they can repeat a prayer and go to heaven. He said, you go and preach the gospel of the kingdom. Then he said this, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. In other words, this gospel has power because it is backed by a kingdom that is more powerful than the problems of this earth. So when Jesus is about to make this pinnacle statement of seek first the kingdom, he is explaining that the kingdom has power over whatever you're worrying about. And you can worry and run after what you're worried about, or you could seek the kingdom. Are you with me? You got to understand it. You got to, I went to Bible school, not one class on the kingdom. We don't talk about that. Talk about hermeneutics, homiletics, other weird words, eschatologies, right? And Jesus didn't come back with hermeneutics or homiletics or eschatologies. He came back saying, let me explain, there's a kingdom. Now, I think this is where we get confused. The kingdom has been, it is, and it will be. And, and so let me explain this really quickly. This, can I teach you just a minute? Because you kind of had to understand. All right. And so, so this, let me just kind of walk you through this. So this is what you need to understand, first of all, is that it's an ancient kingdom, right, with an eternal king. Yeah. Right? Because what you have before, let me explain. Before Genesis, you have a kingdom and a king. Before Genesis. Everybody say before. So before the Bible starts, you still had a king and a kingdom. Then the Bible opens with this idea that there's been this eternal king or this ancient kingdom, this eternal king, right? And, and it's all about but it, from the fall. Actually, we'll start at the fall and go forward to the coming of Jesus. So from Adam to Jesus, you have, a, you have this announcement that a kingdom is coming. So there was a king there is a coming a king, and, and now you have this announcement that, so ancient king, there's a coming kingdom, there's a present kingdom, there's a kingdom that is coming. I know it's confusing. Let me explain. So, so first of all, it's an ancient kingdom with the eternal king. So Psalm 45, uh, verse 6 says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. So there's always been the kingdom of God. Why? Because there's always been the king. He is the first and the last, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. Your story starts with a king and a kingdom. Genesis began because of a king and a kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom and a spiritual king who created a physical realm 
in order to bring the reign of a spiritual kingdom over the realm of a physical planet. Like this is where we get Genesis chapter one. Are you with me? All right. So then, then it shifts because then Jesus comes and now we have a present kingdom. This is what I was just talking about and an indwelling king. So you have an ancient kingdom, an eternal king. Then you have a present kingdom. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at have a present kingdom and an indwelling king by his spirit. See, right? We same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in Right? So he's an indwelling king. Um, uh, Luke 17, 20, it says, One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, When will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus said, The kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, Well, here it is, or there it is. For the kingdom of God, look at this, for the kingdom of God is already among you. That was Jesus' statement. Like, kingdom's already here. Like, it's a spiritual kingdom. That's why I say you have to be, if you're not born again, this is what he tells Nicodemus. If you want to see the kingdom, you got to be born again. Yes. Right? You got to be born of water and spirit if you want to enter into the kingdom. Okay. And then this works sometimes again. So, so ancient kingdom, eternal king, present kingdom, and dwelling king, future kingdom, and coming king. Revelation 21, 2, John says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a voice saying, the dwelling place of God is now with man. So, so this is what I want to explain. God's primary purpose can't be to get you to heaven because if you get there, he's just going to bring you back here. Right? Like, I, I'm really simple in the way that I think, so I just explain things simply. Does that make sense? Like, I could give you a lot of eschatology and big words if you wanted them. They're just kind of a waste of time, and I can't pronounce half of them because I was raised in East Texas, and we don't really even speak English here. Um, so the, the goal can't be to get you there, because if you get there, guess what? He's going to bring you back here. Because this is where he's going to rule and reign. This is where he's going to make all things new. This is where he's going to make all of creation new. He's, this, this is where he does everything. Because think about this. When you're God, you, and I've said it before, when you're God, you, you, don't, you don't need a plan B because you're God. So if his plan was for man to reign on the earth with him, that's his plan. And sin didn't stop it. And Satan can't stop it. And you can't stop it. He's still going to get his plan because he's God and stuff. So, so, we have, so, so now Jesus gives us, all right, so here we go. Going to move a little faster. So gives us his priority. Jesus says, seek this kingdom. Seek this kingdom. Now think about it. Jesus just said you can't see it. Can't say there it is. Can't say here it is. But yet he's telling us to seek it. The word seek there actually in the Greek says try to find it, seek information about it, desire it, or try to obtain it. Like that's what that word really actually means. So what Jesus is saying is like, look, look, you have to seek it because it's not naturally discerned. Yes. Right? Because you tell the Pharisees, you, you can't see these visible signs of it. It's here. How do we know it's here? Because the man with the withered hand stretched his hand out. Yeah. Yeah. How do we know it's here? Because the blind man 
ain't blind no more. Right? Because remember, this kingdom has power over the earth. Are you with me? And so Jesus says, you got you to discern it spiritually. And so here's, here's what he said. I love this. He said, seek information about it. I just ask a real quick question. How much time this week did you spend trying to understand the kingdom of God? Not the religion of church, the kingdom of God. Because th this gospel of the kingdom, that's, that's where the good stuff is. That's where we don't have to worry. That's where the power is. Right? The kingdom has the solution for whatever your problem is. So he said, I want you to desire information. So this, is, this was Jesus' high, highest priority. Jesus' highest priority, if you think about it, was the kingdom. He said, well, I thought he came to die. Yes, yes, yes. Because Jesus came to reconcile man with the king. Why? Because the idea was that we would be a kingdom, a priest, that we would reign like kings with God. Yes. So, so Jesus came to reconcile man to the king, which is the order of and priority, right, of, of restoring man to the kingdom, yes. which is man's purpose, which is man's calling. Pastor, I just wish I knew what my purpose was. Okay, let me help you. No, I'm serious. It, it, when you understand the kingdom, you start understanding purpose. Because your purpose, if you think about it, your purpose is about bringing the kingdom. What's the primary way we bring the kingdom? Prayer. We're going to talk about that. Right? I think it's primary way, right? So, so there's a priority. Now, I talked a little bit about this, but I want you to understand it, so I'm going to talk about it again uh, because you probably forgot, okay? And that's okay if you did. That's why I'm here, just to remind you about what you forgot so you can remember, so you can know, so that you won't forget it. So priority, here's the second word, um, prescription. Now, do you guys remember what I said was the primary function of the kingdom last week? The kingdom makes what is wrong Oh, where's my gold stars? <laughs> like some of you knew that. Like, good, good on you, as they used to say. Well, look at God. Um, <clears throat> so the primary function of the kingdom, this is what you have to understand. So the kingdom, this is what it says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, rightness. So, so the primary function of the kingdom, the agenda, the, is to make things right. It's also the prescription because the kingdom is the prescription for what is wrong because the kingdom makes what is wrong right. It started with you. You were wrong. Right? You were wrong. That's, that's, that's what happens. We were in sin and death. We were never built for sin. We were never designed for death. We were designed to hold the presence of God and live eternally. That's what we, we were designed for righteousness. But we, we Adam messed up and, and we can talk about that later. But anyways, and so all of men were now flawed. We're wrong. We come into, you came into the world wrong. That's why the king had to come because there's no other way to be right except through faith in Jesus. Are you with me? And so the prescription of the kingdom is he makes what is wrong, right, right, right. All right. 
So, so think about this. Think about this. So, so here's what the Bible says. So I summed it up, three ideas, and we'll keep moving. First of all, th- then if wrong is going to be right, the first thing we have to do is receive righteousness. Because you were wrong, and you need to be right. Like, it's a great message for some of you couples, because you may be married to someone that's always right. And we're just talking about from the Bible, they were wrong. Just bless them with that. Good luck. Anyways, um, but we receive. Now think about it because because we can't get into works because we can't make ourselves right. That's the whole story of the old covenant, right? The whole covenant is you can't make yourself right. You can't keep all the rules. And, and if you mess up with one rule, you're guilty of breaking all the rules. Ever told a white lie? You're a murderer. That's the idea. And so God sends his son who is right to die for those who are wrong so that through faith we can be right. But the only way to be right is through faith, not through religion. Religion can't make you right any more than religion can cure what the problem is. Are you with me? So he came to make us right. Romans 4 verse 5. However, the one who does not work but trusts God who justifies. That means to make right. Who justifies the ungodly. Their faith is credited as righteousness. How did I get right? I believe he came to make me right. Are you with me? Very simple. But understand, this is not the entirety of the gospel message. This is the front door. Because it says, talking about Abraham, if you read on in Romans 4, it says the promise that he would be the heir of the world, that he would inherit everything, was not through the work of the law, but through the righteousness of of faith. And now we understand that everything right comes by his grace and my faith. So positionally, I have to be positioned where things can be right. And I start by receiving righteousness. Now here's where it gets confusing because after I receive righteousness, then I'm supposed to pursue righteousness. Now pursuing righteousness doesn't make me right with God. Right? How did I get right with God? Faith. But pursuing righteousness is what keeps me in the confidence. It it keeps my mind in the right place because that's where the battle is. And, and I can't be right if I keep doing wrong, because every time I do wrong, the, if I choose to do wrong, the enemy is going to take the wrong that I did and try to convince me I'm not right. Like, I don't know how, 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 how more simply I can put this, right? And so I think when people start thinking about, oh, the grace of God is so good, because now I've received the grace of God, and I'm going to be clubbing on Friday, Swapping right on Tinder, <laughs> hooking up with somebody. Praise God. But I'm going to be all right on Sunday. Here's the thing. You'll be right, but you'll never do right. 
and the kingdom can't come through your life. You'll be right and still worried. Why? Because here's what the Bible says. Titus 2.11, for the grace of God that brings salvation. What brings salvation? Your works? No, the grace of God. The goodness of God. The grace of God that brings salvation, look at this, has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness, teach, what, is the, what does grace teach us? To deny ungodliness. This is how you know if someone's really right. Or if they just said a prayer to get some fire insurance so they could live their way and hopefully end up in heaven. Fire insurance meaning not burning in hell. It's kind of a preacher joke. It didn't go over very well. I'm not going to try it in the next service. But you see, what's the grace of God teach me? To deny ungodliness? To deny the worldly lust desires for the world? It teaches me to live soberly? Now, that word means a lot, but I think everybody understands sober. It, look, the grace of God teaches me to live righteously. How does it do that? Because it makes me right so that I have the Spirit of God in me. And the Spirit of God is always going to lead me in righteousness because that is the, the primary agenda of the king. And, and the importance of that, Hebrew 9, the blood cleanses our conscience. First John 2, if we, have, uh, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, or an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. In other words, I need to maintain my, my own self in righteousness, not righteousness with God, but I have to maintain my own conscience. Why? Because the Bible says if my heart condemns me, I don't have confidence towards God. Because here's, you got to think about the progression. Remember, when we're part of a kingdom, we have a purpose. When we're part of a religion, we're just waiting to die. And so when we have a kingdom, we have a purpose, and the purpose is to expand the kingdom. So I have to receive righteousness and pursue righteousness. Why? Because my purpose is actually to make things right. This is why God's real big on forgiveness. Forgiveness makes things right. That's how he made you right. That's why he's not big on bitterness. Bitterness is wrong. Right? So, so it can be as simple as relational, forgiving, dealing with bitterness and unforgiveness, that kind of thing. But it can be as awesome as announcing the kingdom to, to someone else who's worried about something. But, but we are actually called with the purpose of making things right. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 5.20. It says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ as through, God, as through God we were pleading, or as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. We're ambassadors. We're ambassadors. That's, that's, um, that's kind of like kingdom terminology. Like, you understand what an ambassador is? Ambassador is a representative of one kingdom that lives in a four-way land to represent that kingdom's interest in that land. Right? And so Paul's like, and he even calls himself an ambassador. And said, he said, I'm an ambassador in chains. Here's what he said. You can chain me up, but the kingdom still is where I am. That you didn't bind the kingdom when you bound the ambassador. That's what he was saying. Like the kingdom's still doing what the kingdom does. Doesn't matter if I'm in the prison or not. I'll just write letters. <laughs> that will turn into your Bible. Are you, are you with me? 
And so when you think about the kingdom, like to, to me, the church then, the Garden of Eden, you know what the Garden of Eden was? It was an embassy. That's where the ambassadors were. Do you understand embassy? Like, okay, so I was in Costa Rica one time. I spent a month in Costa Rica uh, one week, and um, <laughs> I did. It's like the trip from hell. Um, it was Costa Rica. But anyways, um, <laughs> um, so uh, right out of the bat, we stop at this little restaurant, and someone breaks into the rental car and steals all of our passports, plane tickets, and it was open air. I mean, we could see the car, but they snuck up this hill on the back side of it. Like, I'm, I'm, I've traveled a lot. I'm pretty aware that bad stuff happens, but I'm like, I can see the car. I have no idea how they stole that, how they popped that lock that quick and took everything. And so now I have, you know, the family in Costa Rica, and no one has a passport, and, uh, like, I have no money. Um, I mean, it was, it was like bad. I didn't have a driver's license. No, I think I still had a driver's license. Yeah, I had a driver's license, but to get people to wire you money, you had to have a passport. It was kind of a mess. Um, and so it's like we go on with the trip, and uh, it's getting down to the wire, and we're supposed to fly home, but I don't have my airplane tickets. I don't have passports. And so we're, all we need to do is pray. So we're just praying. There's no lie, like the day before our flight leaves, I get a call from the United States Embassy. Mr. Strait, yep, we have your passports and plane tickets. I'm like, for real? Yeah, for real. I'll be right there. So I held me a cab. I pulled up to the, about seven or eight. Anyways, never mind. That's, um, <laughs> you held to the cab. You're home. Smell you later. I uh, looked at my kingdom. I was finally there. <laughs> so I go into the embassy. Here's an amazing thing. I don't know if you realize this about embassies, but the United States Embassy in Costa Rica, when you step across, there's guards there. And so you go up and then they, you tell them and they look okay. And once you step across the threshold, you're in the United States. In fact, at that point, even if I'd committed a crime, Costa Rica would have to ask the United States for permission to extradite me back across that threshold. If we sin, <laughs> hell's got to get permission to extradite us from a king who's already paid to translate us from the kingdom of darkness across the threshold. To the kingdom, that is so good. That is not in my notes. I'm gonna preach that next time. All right, and so, but here's the great thing. But now I I am with you know here's the ambassadors, and I'm with I'm in the United States, although I'm in Costa Rica. Let me explain. That's what the Garden of Eden was. It was an embassy with an ambassador in a territory, so it could so Adam and Eve could represent the agenda of the king. This is what the church is. It's an embassy. Now I'm going to go a step farther because really the Old Testament temple was the embassy. The New Testament temple is you. You're actually the embassy. That's why Paul said, even in chains, I'm an ambassador because everywhere I am, the kingdom of God is. Are you, are you with me? Because, because the, the embassy is connected 
to the mainland, to the government. What connects us as embassies and ambassadors is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And when an embassy is cut off from, from its country, it can't represent its country. Like, think about the horror story of Benghazi, right? That's an embassy that was cut off, if you will, right? And so this is, listen, what you need to understand is that to make things right, I need to receive righteousness, okay? Pursue righteousness, and then I make things right by the Spirit of God, which is dwelling in me, which is my connection to the kingdom, which has put the flag over my life that says I'm an ambassador and I'm an embassy and everywhere. Go ahead and chain me up. I'm still part of the kingdom and the kingdom still is everywhere I am. That's why Jesus, the message would work in Galilee and that's why it worked in every place that he went because he was an embassy and an ambassador of the kingdom. And he said, wherever I am, the kingdom is. I wish you would understand that everywhere you are, the kingdom is. In your office, the kingdom is there. In your home, the kingdom is there. In your car, the kingdom is there. Why? Because you're there and you're connected by the spirit of God. Okay. This is what Jesus said. He said, if I cast out demons, look at this. If I cast out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom's here. Do you see that? So the spirit of God is what gives you power to bring the kingdom everywhere you are. Because actually the kingdom's in the spirit. The kingdom of God is not a matter of what you eat or drink. In other words, the kingdom of God is not a matter of religion. That's what Paul's saying right there. Kingdom of God is not a matter of religion. It's righteousness. And man, when I'm right, I have peace. And man, when I have peace, I have joy. Right? Why is the enemy trying to keep you from having joy? Because then he gets to attack your peace. And when he starts attacking your peace, then he gets to attack your righteousness. There must be something wrong with you. You must have done something wrong. Here comes all the condemnation. No, no, no. Kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. What? I receive righteousness. I pursue righteousness. And I bring righteousness. Okay, last point, and I'm already out of time, and I'm sorry, but I'm not. I'm gonna preach it anyway. Um, the last P, power, because you need to understand why the kingdom has power over the earth, right? You need to understand why this kingdom in you, the kingdom's not an eating dream, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Where, where's the kingdom in the Spirit? Where's the Spirit in you? That's why everywhere you go, the kingdom is, which is what Jesus modeled as a man, not as God. He was God become man. Why? Because he needed to show us what a normal man in righteousness looks like. Are you with me? Like church, if we could just get a hold of this one thing that I'm teaching today. Honestly, like if, if you just grab one message and listen to it over and 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 over, and over again, this one, change your life. You won't worry anymore. Uh, power. Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Look, all these things will be added. All these things. Like, like everything I worry about is going to be taken care of. Everything I'm concerned about is going to be added. Now, I need to understand, why, is the, why, can, God, why can Jesus make this, this promise? Because what he's saying is, seek first the kingdom. Let me put in another phrase that goes with other series. Seek first the kingdom and anything is possible. Now, how is anything possible? Why is anything possible? What's this kingdom got to do with my impossibility? What's this king got to do with what I'm worried about? Please explain that. Okay, Matthew 6, he said, seek first the kingdom. All these things will be added. 
This is what you need to understand. Um, the kingdom is an expression always of the king. The kingdom is always an extension. It's an expression of the king. Now, why does that matter? Because we have this little theological word that everybody knows, omnipotent. 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 Let me say it another way. All-powerful. If the kingdom is an expression of the king, and the king is all-powerful, how, how much is all? Is there any more power? Like if God has all power, how much is left? So if the king is the most powerful, then his kingdom is the most powerful. Did you notice in, 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 in all of the miracles of Jesus, and I'll talk to one because some great theologians say, yeah, but, and I'll talk about your butt. <laughs> That's funny. And so anyways, um, but did you notice when, when Jesus was doing his miracles, there, there wasn't discussion? It wasn't like a treaty or, or you know, a, a ceasefire, like the man with the withered hand. Jesus didn't sit down with the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of the world and say, you know, I'd, I'd really like to help this man. What's it going to take? What would, would y'all consider letting loose what's messed up his hand? When, when, when someone wants to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, there's not a discussion with heaven and hell about whether it will work that time or if that person can be released from bondage. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's no negotiation. There's no discussion. There's no treaty. There's no ceasefire. Why? Because the king is all-powerful, and the kingdom is all-powerful. And when that kingdom meets any other kingdom, the smaller kingdom bows and says, I'm so sorry. When Jesus got ready to cast the demons out of the demoniac, and they looked around, they didn't say, you can't. They said, could we go in the pigs? Can we negotiate? Because we know we don't have a choice on whether we're going to stay or go. We know we're going. Oh, I wish you'd get this. Right? Now, now let me just back up. For the one person says, yeah, but there was that one time Jesus prayed for the blind man. He said, well, I can't really see, but I see trees like men walking. Let me help you, Bubba. Jesus was actually giving an illustrated sermon on spiritual sight if you read the whole context. So he, it, it wasn't like it was out of his control. He was actually trying to prove a point about seeing spiritually. I don't have time to teach it, but anyways. So, so let me help you. So there's that. But every other time Jesus does a miracle. In fact, when this king needed to get across the lake and the boat had already left, he found out even the water obeys him. Okay, so, yeah. So, so now... Why is that important? Why is that? Because, listen, let me, by the way, if you need some scriptures, these are good, all right? Because the king is, is the most powerful. Psalm 145, 13. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures forever through all generations. Your dominion. Nothing greater. It's everlasting. Psalm 62, 11. Once God has spoken, twice I've heard this, that power belongs to God. 
Colossians 1.16, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Like your king is the baddest mama jama there is. You understand what I'm saying? There is no one above, no one beyond, no one higher, no one greater. And because of that, there is nothing greater than his kingdom. There is no other kingdom that has more power, more authority, more ability. Do you understand what I'm saying? The kingdom's expression of the king. So this is why when Paul says, my God will supply all my need. Now, how can God supply all your need? Because he has all you need. There is not anything you will ever need that he doesn't have. Why? It's an infinite king in an infinite kingdom. It's an all-powerful king in an all-powerful kingdom. That's why Jesus said, don't worry. Again, he's talking about clothes and eating and drinking. These are important things. Like, don't worry. Why? Because the kingdom has the solution. Right? It, it does, I, I'm anxious. I get it. I've been anxious too. But the kingdom has peace. It has a solution. Are you with me? I'm sick. I've been sick too, but the kingdom has health. I'm struggling to pay my bills. Listen, I, I've been broke too, right? But the kingdom has all that you need, and God the king will supply all that you need according to his riches. That was better than you clap. It's okay. I, just, I don't have time to go back because we're totally out of time. Right? So now here's the I'll give you this one principle, and, and then we can go because it's a good message, right? And you need to listen again, but it's good. Let me give this one principle. The kingdom only has power over what is under it. This is how you make it work, right? Seek first. It's a little word, a lot of weight. Seek first. Why? Because whatever is first has dominion over everything else. So the kingdom of God can't be the seventh thing in your life if you want the benefits of the kingdom. This is so good. Are you with me? So Jesus, listen, listen. He is giving a prescription and a description all in one. And we want the description, all things to be added unto me. Yes, but the prescription is if it's in the right place. See, he's a king, which means he's a Lord, which means I have to surrender. And, and whatever I bring under him, he has power over. Do you see what I'm saying? That, that's why Jesus wants you to be saved, because like my kingdom needs to have power over your life. And, and you can be the Lord of your life, or I can. Yeah. You're finite. I'm infinite. Pick. Do, 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 do. <laughs> and so this is where, like, remember what I said, submit yourselves to God and resist. By the way, James is talking about the clash of two kingdoms, the world. And, and so he's saying, but if you want to overcome, then you submit. Why? Because when I submit myself to God, then I can resist the devil. He will flee. Why? Because the kingdom has power over whatever is under it. So for, for the kingdom to have power over whatever you need it to have power over, you've got to bring under it what you need to bring under it, which is you. And you can't bring part of your life under the kingdom. 
you, you bring all of your life under the kingdom. And I think, honestly, it's where we struggle. We want to bring our religious life under the kingdom. Right? We, we want to bring the parts that we're comfortable And when the enemy convinces that this is all about a religion, not about a kingdom, then we're like, oh, well, I'm seeking first the kingdom. I go to church, you know, whenever it's convenient. <laughs> it's really not about whether you're in this room or not. It's about whether you're under his lordship or not. Yes. Yes. Right? There's people who join us online that, that they are fully submitted and surrendered and under his lordship. And there may be people in this room that you're like, well, I've, get, I've made Jesus my religion. That's why the kingdom's not working for you. Yeah, you'll die and go to heaven, but do you want heaven on earth or you just want to get there after you die? Because the gospel that Jesus preached was heaven has come and heaven has power over whatever is wrong. It will make right. And that sounds good, but then Jesus gives us this priority statement again to say, here's how the kingdom has power over your life. It only has power over what you put under it. What are you willing to give up control of? What are you willing to surrender to the king? I'll just use one example, and it's going to offend people, but I warned you, which makes me nice. I want to walk in the financial blessing of the Lord. Do you tithe? Do you tithe? Why? Because that's how I bring my finances under what I want to have power over. That's simple. I knew, you know, all the tithers are like revival and everybody else like, don't talk about my money. I know you want those pretty, I don't need your money. I don't want your money. I don't care anything about your money. If you tithe today, I don't work on commission. Not going to get a raise if tithing goes up 20%. But you will. All right, y'all stand up. I really got to quit because the children's workers are going to be mad and they're going to come get me. But do y'all get it? Do you get it? Do you get it? Come on, think about it. Think about it. Don't worry. It's the answer. Whatever you came in worrying about, the kingdom's the answer. It has all the power, but it only has power over what you put under it. Simple message. Father, thank you so much that the kingdom of God is in this room. The kingdom of God is in us. It is here. We are here. You are here. And God, really, what I really feel is I think I'm in a room full of people. They wanted to be here, so that tells me a lot about them. The people watching online, they want to watch online. That tells me a lot about them. That tells me they're hungry. It tells me they're desiring the things of God. So God, right now, we just humbly say, God, we want to make sure we bring under your authority everything in our lives. Because God, I know you want to meet the needs that are in this room. And I know there are needs in this room and there are big needs. There are impossibilities with man represented in this room. But God, anything's possible with you and your kingdom. And so God, I pray right now, if, if we need to, and this is a dangerous prayer, but I think you should pray it. But God, if there's something I need to bring under the Lordship of Jesus, under the kingdom. God, I want to do that. I want to do that. Will you take just a moment and ask the Holy Spirit what He's saying to you?
Just what he's saying to you in this moment. Maybe he's showing you that you need to surrender, that you need to, maybe you need to surrender all of your life. Maybe, maybe you didn't know. You're like, man, I just thought this whole thing's about a religion and if God was my religion, but now you know. So what do you do with it? So with our heads bowed and you're just listening for God, whatever he might speak to you, I just wonder if there's someone maybe in this room maybe watching online and you'd say, you know what? I need to surrender my life to the Lord, to the King of all Kings. I've, I've been trying to do it my way, but I've been doing my thing. I thought that was okay, whatever the case may be. But today I realize I need him. I want to seek first the kingdom. And so if you're in this room, no one's looking around, heads bowed. No one's looking around. But if you're in this room, you're like, hey, that's me. I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. If you're like, hey, I need to surrender to the king, would you just lift your hand up? No one's looking around and say, hey, that's me. Yeah, God bless you. And if you're at home, just lift your hand up at home. I know I can't see it, but it's not about me. It's between you and God. God sees it. God bless you. Thank you. Awesome. If you lift your hand, it's really simple. It's a prayer. Jesus, I surrender all. Here's my life. I believe you're God. I believe you died. I believe you rose. I believe you're the king. And I I want you to be my Lord, my Savior, and even my friend. Help me to follow you for the rest of my life and to stay under your Lordship. And God, I pray as they prayed their version of that prayer, God, you would do that miraculous work in their lives where you make them a new creation. Change us in an instant. God, as a church, we just say, you're Lord and we're not. You're King and we're not. We surrender everything to you. We bring all of our lives under you, whatever that looks like. You're the King. You're the Lord. Forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Can you give Jesus one more big praise, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he is awesome. I love you. You're all amazing. If you need prayer, please text prayer, or even if you lifted your hand, please, please text prayer. Uh, my pathway prayer to 77977. We just want to pray with you. We want to follow up, especially if you lifted your hand. Someone standing by, they'd love just to pray with you. Uh, outside of that, God bless you. You're all beautiful, wonderful, amazing. Go out, take over your world this week because you are with the kingdom. The kingdom is with you. Go be an ambassador in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I love you. See you next weekend.